This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at Ravinia.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. For every one person shot and killed in Chicago, five are shot and survive. The trauma of being shot can change everything. It can turn every stranger into a potential threat, make your own neighborhood feel unsafe, even literally change the way you think. So what does surviving look like without support? This is part two in our collaboration with the nonprofit news outlet, The Trace. Yesterday, we heard from Trace reporter Lakidra Shabis, who talked about what she's seen out in the field. It's not just about people who have had, who have sort of been immediately impacted by gun violence. You know, it's about their family that is now helping them recover, their friends, you know, the first responders, the police officers, the witnesses to the shooting. All of those people are affected by this type of trauma, this really type of violent trauma that happens. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to frame the issue that way because suddenly when you look at it from that perspective, you're talking about an epidemic in the city that affects tens of thousands of people. And, you know, I feel like the sort of urgency to addressing gun violence becomes even more heightened. Now we're going to talk to survivors to hear in their own words what recovery looks like for them and how it has impacted their lives. On the line with us is Les Jenkins. He's a shooting survivor who works with the Institute for Nonviolence. That's a local nonprofit that tries to stop shootings and provide services to victims. Les, welcome to Reset. Hello, how you doing today? Doing well. Thank you for being here with us. Also with us is Natalie Manning. She's a mother of three children and a co-founder and executive director of This Is Life. That's a nonprofit organization that creates opportunities for young people to participate in the arts with the goal of deterring them from violence. Natalie, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Natalie and Les, your your lives were both touched by gun violence here in Chicago. Uh, I want to start with you, Natalie. What led you to start your nonprofit, This Is Life? Well, my nonprofit, This Is Life, was founded um, eight years ago with my younger son here in the city of Chicago. Um, but the gun violence didn't affect our family till maybe in 2018, where it actually, um, my older son was actually shot here in the city of Chicago. Wow. And so, um, it was then that you, you realized that you wanted to do more? Well, I'm, I had always was doing more in the community, but when this actually happened, um, I kind of was silent about it. I never, like, if you weren't a close family or a friend, nobody knew that that actually had happened to my family. Um, I kept that to myself. Um, I just, I'm just like a, kind of like a private person. Yeah. 
So I didn't, like, go and go on social media or go to anybody and tell anybody about it. It was just like if you were a close family or friend, you knew that the, actually, that the gun violence had actually um, happened so to, to me. Tell us more about the aftermath then. After your son was shot, how did that impact your family? Um, it had a major impact on my family, um, especially uh, my daughter. Um, she just actually told me about this maybe like a, a year or so ago, how it like had an impact on her because um, the back and forth to the hospital um, with her older brother and, you know, because it's something that we weren't used to. Um, you know, we heard, you know, you would hear about it, you would see it on the news, you would see it on social media, but to actually um, have it actually happen to your family, a family member that kind of had a, a, a difficult kind of impact. Les, I want to bring you in here. You survived a shooting in the late 80s. What can you share with us about that experience and, and the impact it's had on your life? Well, I can say that, uh, first of all, thanks for this opportunity to share with you as well as those that's listening. I can say that I was shocked. I was directly affected by the gun violence at such a young age. But during the time that I was affected, um, I mean, like, uh, it was tragedy. It was, I was directly affected by 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 being shot in both of my legs. Uh, my daughter was in my in my arms. I was at the age of 17. I just, like, uh, I was told at that time after leaving, making it to the hospital and making it into the recovery room, I was told that there was a possibility that I might never walk again. So I was directly affected by it to the point that, I mean, I, like, didn't really want to, I didn't want to go on with life mm-hmm. at that time. However, uh, I'm thankful to God that my daughter didn't get hurt, and mm-hmm. I had a loving family that helped me. And you were able to walk again? Yes. It, it, it took a little over nine months, going into like oh, close to a year, where I was able to start getting feelings back in, you know, through, through therapy and uh, um, the miracle of God. I, I always want to say, you know, uh, God. At one point, who I was truly angry with because I didn't understand why this happened to me during this time. Because what they have going on right now, they didn't have back in the 80s. What do you mean? The, the different resources. Like the Institute of Nonviolence, what I look for, I mean, like they didn't have anyone coming to your hospitals and actually supporting you and, and, and your family. We talked about the physical recovery for you, Les, of course, getting back on your feet again after being shot. Um, what else did recovery look like for, for you and your family? Well, well, I mean, when you talk about recovery, of course, uh, socially, emotionally, uh, uh, financially, everything was a process because, I mean, trauma, trauma looks different in a lot of ways. And, and we was we was all traumatized by my physical injury. And so what that looked like at that time was in the beginning, as I said before, it, it, it looked very hopeless. I mean, like I had no feelings in my legs. I could not move. I, I, I felt very hopeless about moving forward in life. I mean, I, I had no desire, no motivation. So in the beginning, it was very traumatic for me. Uh, but because of the the emotional uh, uh, the emotional support of my family, constantly speaking into my spirit and telling me not to give up, this is not the end. That motivated me to find some ways to, to look at this reality in a different way. And at that time, I had to I had no other choice but to begin to bury my current reality and try to find just a, a glimpse of hope. Natalie, you also lost a student. To gun violence when you were working at a charter school. How did that 
affect you and, and your school staff and, and student body? Um, that was like very emotional for everyone. Um, she was just like a freshman um, at that time, and she was like one of my favorite students. Um, we used to laugh and joke around all the time, and to get receive that message. It was it was hard, it was hard for everyone, for the students, for the staff. It was it was a difficult time. How did you heal? You know, I mean, just pretty much comforting, talking to each other, encouraging each other, inspiring each other, doing, like, different things. Like, um, they had, like, a mm-hmm. they offered time for the students to, you know, if they need time to gather themselves to talk to various, um, you know, counselors as well as just trying to comfort each other. And, like, we had, like, something, uh, like a memorial for and. You know, kids were able to write on balloons and just, like, pretty much express themselves or say words of encouragement and things of that nature. Les, uh, when a person survives a a shooting, a lot of people would assume you go to the ER, you get treatment, you go into recovery. But what does the public, and when I say that, I mean the media, city leaders, the police, what are we missing here? I, I mean, I can't speak in regard to the police. I can't. I can't. I can't speak uh, in regards to uh, those those different because uh, uh, those different uh, campaigns that you just spoke on. What I can speak into is what victim advocates uh, is trying to bring to the forefront, and that's called that's the continuing care of showing them how do healing look like, and sometimes healing look like. Us just being present and being able to assist them in their needs. I mean, like with damages, uh, more support, psychological support, emotional support, financial support. Uh, these type of things is what we assist them with in this critical time of recovery. Uh, Les, you, you said you still talk with your daughter about that day and, and the fact that you almost lost her, right? She was in your arms as you were taking her to the store. Why is that important to you to to keep that conversation going? I mean, because it it may have looked fearful in the beginning as it did to me. And and I know how fear can sometimes stagnate you and traumatize you to the point that it don't want you to move past incidents that take place, but not to own up to every incident or every uh, thing that happened to you. Everything that happened to you is not always directly because you caused it. So always changing the narrative is something that I played myself to always do to anyone that come across the same incident that I came to of becoming a victim of gun violence myself. If it wasn't, again, I would always say this, if it wasn't for a loving family that continued to pour into my spirit that do not own this, do not take this as you brought this on, on yourself. Yeah. And that's what I always try to institute her when she asks those questions. And, and thinking of family, I, I go back to you, Natalie. You went through this at home. You also went through it at school in, 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 in an environment that's very difficult to, to handle a situation like this. I, I wonder how you explain to your students that the classmate they just saw every day is now dead while you're still processing it. And then you got to turn back to, all right, let's get back to learning. It's, you know, it's a process, you know, and it's just like you always got to try to find ways to be creative especially when you're dealing with youth and try to find ways to allow them to express themselves 
that's one thing that I've always been pretty good with, allowing young people to be able to express their tell, themselves and tell me how they're feeling, if they're feeling some type of way, if they need some extra time. That's always important. And I always have a listening ear to hear, you know, what they have to say. Um, and just, you know, you got to keep encouraging them, letting them know that it's going to be okay. But it's easier said than done. You just have to take one day at a time. And that's what I would always tell them. Les, can you tell us more about your work with the Institute for Nonviolence? Yes, I can. So, so what we do as victim advocates, I mean, we deal with we deal with uh, three different things. We assist the families that's dealing with, uh, uh, obviously, as I was saying, that's impacted by gun violence. You know, uh, what what would be helpful? I mean, what would be helpful is to be able to have quicker access to the victim that's uh, affected by the gun violence in partnership with us, with the hospitals because, um, I mean, like, what we deal with is uh, helping them in the trauma, dealing with social, emotional trauma, uh, physical trauma that they may be experiencing after they're released from the hospital. You know, we deal with, you know, perhaps 14, uh, some of them don't make it. So we also assist them with victim compensation. We also deal with relocation. We also deal with assisting, assisting them with bandages. We, we deal with system with, uh, like, housing. I mean, some of the things, uh, some of the things of this nature, this is what we, we assist them with. Yeah. So that they don't have to be, they don't have to return right back to that same environment, that community that, that they've been played or traumatized by due to the gun violence. Natalie, what kind of solutions would you like to see to deter gun violence in Chicago? Well, I'm, well, like for myself, I'm currently working in the community, do a lot of things. I try to find things that I think might be interesting to uh, help her, the young, uh, excuse me, the gun violence with the youth. Like I just did a adult versus um, youth basketball game, um, like various uh, talent shows, um, virtual events, um, with the families, you know, just basically find the resources and things that to basically can occupy the youth time and, you know, to try to keep them off the streets. But to me, I feel like as you look and you see on the news, they're getting younger and younger. So it's just like we have to continue to find ways to be of influence of the younger generation as they're coming up so we can try to curb this violence because to me it's just like every time you turn around or you look on the news, someone is being shot and you shouldn't have a fear or want to live in fear that you may get shot if you just, you know, minding your own business. So just basically like finding solutions and ways and to occupy the young people. That's what I think. Les, what do you think people get wrong about gun violence in Chicago? Because uh, it's interesting. There, there's there's definitely a narrative out there across the country and, and across the world about the violence here in this city. I have family in, in other countries and I know some folks were concerned for me taking a job in Chicago just because of what they had heard nationally on the news. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, like when you, when you talk about gun violence, I don't want to keep ignoring. There's there's a lot of different uh, uh, there's a lot of different uh, things ways we can look at this. You know, violence is not just plagued by you know uh, someone picking up a gun and just using it. You know, I mean, like it's initiated from something, right? Uh, so you want to, you, you want to probably, you know, I would look at the addressing the, the needs of poverty, 
the lack of resources, the lack of education, you know, uh, uh, I mean, all these things are, are, are motivated. Violence is motivated from something. You know, I, I, I always like to talk about the social, emotional, and physical needs. And when people are, when these things are not met, they sometimes drive, they, they drive on the need to survive. And sometimes a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people, uh, uh, uh use that as an outlet to victimize other people through the violence. And, they, and and these are some of the things that's in our community, such as guns. Mm-hmm. If, you look, if you look today, it's a lot of carjacking, and a lot of robbing. You know, this is all still dealing with violence. Violence is tend to hurt and harm it, or damage or possibly kill someone. So, I mean, like, it, we can look at it in a lot of ways. Uh, we, need, we need a lot of help right now. Let's hear from a caller who wants to join the conversation. Susan's on the line in Evanston. Hi, Susan. Welcome to Reset. Thank you very much. Um, I'm very happy to be here. I'm with an organization in Evanston called Kurt's Cafe. And at the beginning of the summer, we had two very violent murders right on a on a block that a lot of kids do frequent. And we got together nine organizations that work with youth. We came up with an aggressive plan. We worked really hard to keep youth busy every single night of the week and all weekend, um, doing things like community centers and things like that, put it all together in two weeks' time, and happy to report at the end of the summer we've had no shootings and we've had no youth arrests. So I know Evanston is much smaller than Chicago, and we're very, very focused, but pulling all of our organizations together I think was the answer to our challenge is working together on an issue. Thank you for sharing that, Susan. We appreciate your call. What do you want city leaders like Mayor Lightfoot and Superintendent Brown, uh, Natalie, what do you want them to know about how gun violence is impacting our region? I think, to me, I think they need to listen to the the youth. I think they need to listen to the perpetrators, the people that's actually out here that's been a part of the gun violence. I think that's the issue. They're not listening to the people who have have been a part of it or have been affected by it, they're not listening. And I think those are the people that you need to be listening to and talking to. I know it's kind of hard sometimes um, when with gun victims, they don't want to tell who, you know, actually retaliated or whatever the case may be. But I just think they just really need to try to get out here and find people that would be willing to be open and talk to them exactly about what's going on because they can, they have the actual inside. Yeah. And so, you know, they can pretty much go from there and try to come up with some solutions. That's just my personal opinion about it. I'll give the last word to you, Les. What do you want to say to the mayor and, and, and the police superintendent? What should they know about how gun violence is really affecting us here in Chicago? Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. But I, I, I would like for the mayor to understand that, you know, uh, I think we need more more, more partners like the Institute of Nonviolence. I think we need more more agencies like us. And I think we need to be able to uh, have more friable assets to be looked at as a partner for helping the violence versus a critic of the violence or perpetrated ourselves of the violence because we're not. We're from these communities. We love our communities and we don't like what's going on. And a lot of us have vowed to dedicate our lives to helping this. So I would like to understand our communities such as more, you know, recreational centers, open up these schools back. I would like for them to uh, put more mental health services 
back into the community. It's so many, it's so much they can assist us with as we continue to attack the war on violence. Uh, if they could just hear the cry of the different agencies that lives out here 24 hours a day trying to prevent violence from reoccurring. From our caller, Susan in Evanston, to the far south side, we asked you how your neighborhood has been impacted by gun violence. And one resident told us on Instagram that in her far south side community, gun violence impacts them almost weekly. We have been speaking with Les Jenkins. He's a shooting survivor who works with the Institute for Nonviolence. And also with us, Natalie Manning. She's co-founder and executive director of This Is Life. Les and Natalie, thank you very much. That's it for today's Reset Podcast. Tomorrow, we will hear from experts on the forefront of treating and helping survivors get the resources they need. So many of our young people run the risk of developing post-traumatic stress disorder after being shot. And in young men in particular, that's manifest as aggression. Yeah. And so often people, you know, look at a young man and say, oh, that's that bad kid who got shot. And look, how he's always so angry and stuff. And that's actually a psychiatric signs and symptoms that he's demonstrating saying he needs help. Come right back here for that conversation. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for joining us. We'll meet again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.